0: With my man Brandon Huff, another episode of the Danny Rumpf Classic Podcast. Huff, how you doing, man?
1: Good, man. How about yourself? Good, man. I appreciate you coming on. appreciate you coming out. Thanks, man. Thanks for having
0: me. Yeah, so you've been around the Rump since day one. Day one. Um, take me back to the kind of the original, like, sort of how this all came together in your
1: eyes. Um, for me, uh, I always tell people, anybody that I tell the story, it started out as just like, I don't think any of us thought it would be what it is today. Um, it started off of like a, of a more of a neighborhood thing, you know, a West Philly team, a North Philly team, a South Philly team. And then the next thing you know, we had too many people in Mallory. Uh, of course, there was one line of seating in Mallory. People were standing outside the door, trying to look in. We had to move the venue it was to the point where the fans were coming to us and saying like, look, if you don't move the venue, like how can we see it? Um, so I don't think anybody thought it would be to this point now, where we have you know thousands of people, everybody's asking, when is the run? When is the run? So for me, uh, I actually played myself. I wasn't the top. Oh player. really? I, I've, oh I've yeah. Okay, the,
0: we'll start there. Let me hear about that. I didn't uh, know. I didn't
1: know about all that. I was a bench player. Don't don't get it mixed up. Yeah. I, I I was a reserve player. Okay. But I, I knew you were good back in the day. I knew I, you could. I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you talked a lot of shit. Oh for sure. That, that, so my job was to talk shit, intimidate, and foul. Hell yeah. I did all three of those things very well. Know your role. Anyway. Know your no, role. I know my role. Um but I played on a team with you know Sharif Bray, uh Raheem Berry, Mike Green. We we had a really good team. Uh Anwar, we had a really good team then so we probably went semifinals, I think, or you know, final four and we lost. But it was a good experience for me. I got to play with some guys that I probably normally wouldn't be able to play with. But I, I, I held my own when I was way more athletic and 30 pounds lighter. <laughs> sure. But it, it was fun for me, definitely. Um, but now being behind the scenes, I got a much more better experience. You know, giving back to the whole city of Philadelphia and letting them see what Philly basketball is about.
0: Yeah, Rump's nearing on two decades. Uh, I think one of my favorite things is the picture of you guys after every tournament to kind of see every how, year. to see how di- I mean, one how different you look, but how just to right. kind of, for the memory of it all, right. um, how has the tournament, the foundation, the people, the community become such an important part of your life now?
1: Um, I got to start with the foundation itself, um, what they've accomplished in the city, you know, especially putting defibrillators in every single recreation center in Philadelphia, um, the, 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 the health fairs, the heart screenings, you know, free heart screenings for kids. I think that's huge. You know, a lot of kids don't even, a lot of families don't have health insurance or a primary doctor or anything like that to go and get that done. So to be able to just come to a recreation center and I think they've found, you know, quite a few kids that had some type of heart condition and they caught it early, you know, so things like that don't happen the way it happened to Danny, it happened to Hank Gathers, you know, stuff like that. So that part of it, is amazing to me Um, and then also as far as the Danny Rumpf classic goes the actual game that atmosphere is like no other in the city there's nobody that can say they have an environment the way we have at the Rumpf and I think that's just we set ourselves apart from everybody else by giving people a show like that and now people just know, second week in August, you need to be at the rump. Yeah. Everybody in the whole entire city knows that and that's big that's big for me.
0: Yeah. What do you feel like makes Philly basketball unique or different? I mean having seen
1: other tournaments, having seen other cities play, whatever what do you what do you think makes Philly unique? Uh, it's, it's gotta be number one, of course, the style of play. You know, Philly is known for you know, it's a blue collar city, is it's grimy, it's gritty, it's it's hard play everybody plays, you know, to to their fullest. Um, and then the fans. Everybody, you know, whether you're an Eagles fan, Sixers fan, or just a basketball fan watching the run, there's gonna be hecklers. There's gonna be people that will let you know that you're you're playing well. There's gonna be people that let you know that you're not playing yeah, well. And um, AO is one of those people. Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Um, I gotta say my one of the biggest memories about that is probably Evan Turner. Okay. Evan Turner came. Uh, his first game, he didn't play very well. I think he. I don't think it was anything other than him not taking it too seriously. They put him on a milk carton. No way. On social media and said he was missing. And he came the next day, tight lip, didn't say a word. He was stealing the ball from people and putting it between his legs and dunking. It was like looking at the crowd, like, look, I'm I'm here. But but the fact that someone would do that <laughs> you know what i mean there was people on the sideline telling him he wasn't good telling them they they wished we got john we had the first pick so we can get john wall instead of him like it was, it was crazy but that's just philly nowhere else in philly i think that's going to happen yeah and it's almost a loving way some yeah. people that are not from philly may take it the wrong way but from philly that's how we show we love you or, or that we appreciate you coming out because we're going to we're going to treat you like everybody else. Exactly. And if we treat you we're not going to treat you higher than anybody else. You're just a basketball player in this gym like everybody else we know and they, and fans follow that that suit every time. Yeah, the only thing that matters is how you're playing right now in front exactly. of me and all the fans. No one cares about your contract, no one cares about any of that stuff.
0: Yeah, and all the fans for the most part, know basketball. They know what they're watching. This isn't anything crazy. Like this isn't anything new to them. Like they right. know what's going. On. They know whether you're playing well or not, or whether exactly. you're hiding or with duck and rec or whatever. Um, so you came up playing against Mike and them, like um, hooping yourself. Tom, me, take me back to those days. What do you remember um, about those days coming up?
1: I grew up. I moved um, up to Mount Airy from North Philly when I was about uh, 14. Um, I met Mike. Uh, we went to rival middle schools. I actually. I have a story of Mike Morak please he's gonna hate this Mike Morak went to Henry middle school I went to Houston middle school they were maybe 15 blocks away from each other all the kids knew each other except for me since I was a new kid in the school I was the tallest kid in school and we go to Henry and as we get off the bus the kids are screaming like you know you guys are gonna lose and and of course students from our school are like we got brain. that was really this height in middle school i have heard that yeah so i was like <laughs> you six hit that two. height early yeah, i was six two in in seventh grade yeah um you know i was dunking on the eight foot court so of course the kids is like yo brain is going to get y'all and he, you know these other kids from henry are like we got white mike so this is really the story of how white mike became white mike yeah we go into the gym henry comes in Uniforms on, my school was broke, we ain't had nothing. So they come in and Mike has the alfalfa thing popping up the top of his head. <laughs> and I'm like, this guy? They're like, yeah, him. And I'm like, no way, we're gonna lose this guy. And Mike killed us, probably had 30 on us. Um, Sean Singletary was on that team, Six, only sixth grade on the eighth grade team. Whoa. You know what I mean? So it, it was a really good team. So after that, we became friends. We played in so many summer leagues together. Um, and I started coming up Mallory and working out with those guys and playing with those guys. Next thing you know, I was playing in leagues with those guys and we became the best of friends. So all those guys I've known for about 25 plus years now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, on the episode with Miss Candy and Uncle Marcus, we had talked about how a lot of people sort of know the Rumpf as uh, heart screenings and CPR training in the tournament. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot that goes on in the foundation outside of um, just that weekend. For the basketball side of it, it's sort of similar where everyone knows the Rumpf Classic, but there's mm-hmm. also a lot of basketball that goes on outside of the Rumpf Classic. It's year-round Team Rump Center stuff, which I know you're a big part of. Right. Uh, coaching both Contra Hocken and the Chosen League. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you first get started with coaching those teams, and what, what's that experience been like for you?
1: Um, actually, my brother, Sean, he passed away in 2017 of the same heart condition that Danny had. Um, he died on the basketball court as well, um, playing in the 40 and over game. Um, I felt compelled. Um, me and him had already talked about coaching AAU. We were coaching for a smaller program, and we were already talking about doing something with Danny Ruff maybe and having an AAU team. Once he passed, I just felt compelled to put his name on it and go further with that. As my coaching career got bigger and I got more popular as far as a coach and more successful, you know, Mike came stopped in and was like, listen, you know, you need to start doing that in the Ruff name as well. So um, I'm the chosen league Danny Ruff team. We're the defending champs this year. We start this Sunday. We're going to defend our crown. Um, I've coached Ruff team in Don Frio Classic. We went to Maryland in 2019 for the Rudy Gay Classic. We went down there and went undefeated and showed Baltimore what Philly basketball is about. So all of that is is all come from Mike and coming from Sharif and all those guys has put me in a position to really pump the rough name and show what it's all about. Um, basketball for me is, you know, a lifetime thing, a everyday thing, you know, it's, it's year round for me, high school, college, all of that. So for me, it's big to, to do it in the rough name. It really means a lot to me. It's, definitely dear to my heart about it
0: yeah you mentioned your brother um tell me a little bit about how the sean warren elite team came together and what what more importantly what that means to you to be able to coach a team with repping that name uh um
1: of course uh my brother was 11 years older than me um when he passed i, I wasn't present there um i didn't get there till he was already um declared deceased um of course it broke my heart um so like i said i felt compelled to Continue on what we already talked about is about having the AAU team um, a lot of kids that were formerly playing for me And playing formally playing for my brother came to me and was and was just like look if you're gonna start a team I want to play for coach Sean So that right there once I had a lot of loyal kids that just they left their other programs to come play for me Just for that. Um, I built a lot of relationships with those initial kids Um they really loved my brother and now they in turn love me. So I have a lot of relationships with kids in the city just off of how nice my, my brother was to those kids or how much he helped them or whenever he talked to them. So now we're six years going on six years in, we're successful. Um, got a lot of kids in school, you know, for free. And that's, that's all it's about for me is helping kids from my hood and from where I'm from, get out of here, get a free scholarship, get to see the world, get to experience, new experiences. A lot of these kids in Philly, they don't know anything outside of their own hood. And so it's big for me to do it in my brother's name, to do it in Danny's name, and also help kids get to college, it's big.
0: Yeah, I asked Reef and Reef a similar question about what would Danny say if he saw the Rumpf Classic today. I'm curious for you, you mentioned six years of the Sean Warren elite team. What would your brother say if uh, he saw an AAU team have so much success for six years with his name on it? My
1: brother was very mild mannered with his, with his humor. So a lot of people wouldn't know if he was being serious or not. I would know, of course. Uh, he would probably, he would probably joke and tell me something that's missing. That's just the way my my brother is. Yeah. For all the good I would be doing, he would pinpoint the smallest thing that I forgot. Kind or that of thing I left where he's up.
0: like, you guys got these six jerseys, but where the socks at?" Exactly. Like small or something, exactly. Yeah.
1: He he would definitely let me know about something that I didn't have, and I would probably roll my eyes and I'm like, "Listen, man, I'm doing I'm doing all I can, <laughs> but he'll make sure." So. Every year, I spend time thinking about that part of what he would want and is it the the right product that I'm putting out in his name because that's big to me.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to ask and – I'm going to try to word it in a way that's not too sort of loaded, but uh, you're obviously very closely tied and tied in with for a very long time the Danny Rumpf Classic, which as we know and have talked about on the previous episodes of this podcast is that – Danny passed away from a heart condition and basketball is used as a way to keep his legacy alive. Mm-hmm. Very similar situation with your AU team where your brother, he's you mentioned passed away from some, excuse me, from a very similar heart condition and you're able to start an AU team in his honor. How do you feel like basketball can work as a vehicle for keeping a legacy alive and for you to be in two different spaces where that is done so well and and can, for you two
1: people, two important people to keep their name alive? Uh, You know, basketball, um, I tell this to all my kids all the time, especially when I have someone sitting at a practice like Mike or Sharif Bray or Sharif Hanford, Um, basketball can take you around this world. And a lot of kids don't realize that orange basketball can be your lifeline. Um, All of my friendships, all of my close personal relationships with people have been through basketball. So I try to show them, you know, that part of it, I try to show them that basketball just isn't getting to the NBA and or getting college, like a lot of, like I said, a lot of my friends are doing other things in life, but me and them have a relationship because we play ball together on a Tuesday night. We might be all old, all out of shape, but just that camaraderie that we have that, that's been going on for years, it helps you network and create networking connections with other people because of basketball. Basketball's always the root of all parts of it. I don't even think I can name a person that's close to me that doesn't have to do with basketball. So I stress that a lot about not just looking at basketball on the court, just the the connections you make with your teammates. Um, I, I have people that I, that I went to college with that are f- my friends from, from basketball. So I always stress that to the kids about what this can do for you. So I think basketball can, can just be a lifeline to so many different avenues in life if they use it the right way, if they pay attention to it, if they try to put a lot of work into it.
0: How do you feel like you've grown and matured as a coach over the years in these different experiences?
1: Um, I've learned to be um, a lot more empathetic with these kids. Um, You know, you got to understand some of these kids. Some of the coaches out here nowadays, they're old school, and that's cool. I I think that's needed in basketball for them to know what came before them and stuff like that. But also I'm more of a modern coach. I'm a player's coach. I really dig deep into connecting with players. So I don't think I've – I don't think I would be in basketball the way I am if my brother didn't pass. I've al- I have would always do the rump, of course, but the coaching side of it, I didn't get into it until my brother passed and I just felt like I had to continue that legacy. Yeah. Um, I got better over the years and the way I got better is just, you know, experience and, and try- like I said, trying to understand these kids off the court and if you can connect with them off the court, it's way easier to get to them on the court. And a lot of coaches are maybe lacking that you know, they just want to talk to you about basketball. They don't know what's going on in this kid's life, or at home, or in his neighborhood. If you do that, a lot of times those kids that respect you a lot come connect with you a lot, and that'll help on on the court as well. This might put you on the spot a little bit,
0: but what's the best piece of advice you've gotten uh, about coaching or about working in basketball? Oh,
1: I will I will tell you what I got, and I got it from my mentor. One of my mentors, Lenard Stewart, Coach Head Coach of Grats, Philly legend. Yep. Um, I coached with him at Gratz in 2019, 20, yeah, 2019. Uh, he told me, this is uh, coaching advice I'm giving you, but it's for life. There will be no decision that you make that everyone's gonna be happy with. There's no decision you can make in basketball, but there's also no decision in life you can make and everyone's gonna be like, good job, great job, Thanks for making that decision. There's gonna be someone unhappy, whether it's playing time, whether it's their role on the team, whether they're a starter or not, any any of that stuff. You can't make a decision and it not even inadvertently hurt someone else's feelings. So you gotta you gotta own that and be okay with that. That every decision you make, just there might be the majority of the people happy, but there's a few people you're gonna make unhappy and that, that stuck with me ever since. Yeah,
0: it's a great piece of advice and he's a training disciple too, right?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, you've gotten a lot of credit. Um, we talked about the picture you guys take every year. Uh, mm-hmm. I've heard your name come up a lot in terms of the where credit goes to making the rump happen every year. Can you peel back the curtain a little bit, uh, for myself and for everyone listening, what it is that you do each year to sort of help make things happen over the last 18 years?
1: Um, I'm in charge of um, volunt- all the volunteers on the floor um, and throughout the, the rump. So. Um, a lot of my AAU guys are volunteers or former players. Um, a lot of uh, kids are from Danny's family are involved, um, or just different Rumph uh, members. Their kids come out, but I'm res- mostly responsible for the upkeep. You know, uh, waters, tiles, you know, squeegee, mops, all that stuff. I make sure that everyone's comfortable, whether it's the players, whether it's the fans, even the, even the security guards. I make sure they're cool, all that type of stuff. Um, even more so into it. Then, um, I'm, I'm pretty much a, a runner for, <laughs> for Mike It's really nothing determined until Mike, so it pops in Mike's mind and he's like, Brandon, I need you to go handle this and make sure this is cool. Yeah. And I don't mind doing it. I absolutely, I, I told my girl this the other day. Um, I don't care where I am in the world. I don't care how old I am. If I can't walk, um, that even goes into a story in 2010 I was shot in the leg and I was uh, down for 10 months I was at the run for the walker because I will not miss a rump so I don't care if I live in Germany I don't care if I live in Africa for the second week of August I will be in Philadelphia doing the rump or wherever the rump is um, so as far as my job i'm I'm miscellaneous whatever wherever they tell me to do whatever somebody can't do whatever whatever they're too busy to do something else, Brandon's got it that's yeah. me um I gotta give credit to people that are on that team with me because I know I'm gonna get killed if I don't um Miss Janet especially is number one she does so much um and all those ladies down at the registration table um like I said, like I gotta shout out my players that come every year and help me, it's a great thing. And even my son, he, he helps me every year. So those those people are like vital to the rump. It wouldn't be ran the way it's ran without those people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh so Huff, we've ended we've ended each episode asking um all our guests and you've been around for eighteen years, so I'm sure you got a lot of these. Uh, they say everyone's got their favorite Rumpf classic story, moment, or hmm. memory. Can you give us one or two? What is what sticks out to you? What are your favorite memories?
1: Um, this is my My personal one, so people may differ, I think one of the best rough performances was Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh came into Arcadia. Um, A lot of people didn't know who he was, even though he's a Philly guy, went to Germantown Academy. Um, He played for University of Florida, I think it is, with like David Lee and those guys. So he came and played the Twins team, and he for sure had a triple-double. And the passes he was making, the the type of stuff he was doing, like there were people like as I was walking through, the gym, they were like grabbing me and was like who is that? And I'm like you don't know who Matt Walsh is, you yeah. do now. Yeah. Um. So he probably had one of the best performances. Um. Another favorite of mine has to be, uh, Shannon Givens against John Wall was unbelievable. Um, something that happened a couple of years after that was uh. Mark 50 went toe-to-toe for a couple plays with with Jason Tatum. That that was amazing. Um,
0: So we've had a couple of these conversations so far about the moments where –
1: uh, pros
0: come in the building or guys that people might not necessarily have heard of show up at the rump and show out uh, at the rump, and Shannon Givens being one of those guys big time. pretty much every year. Big time. Matt Walsh uh, being one of those guys. Um, Jaws from last year was one of those guys that mm-hmm. has come up, uh, you know, 50 going toe-to-toe with Tatum. Um, do you have a favorite one of those? I mean, you mentioned other than that.
1: But. Uh, my favorite, DJ Newbill and, uh, and Will the Thrill. Tell me Will, about that one. Will Barton. They went shot for shot for a couple plays, um, and it, it that was definitely one of those games where people were pulling me to the side and was like, who's the dude going at Will the Thrill? And I'm like, he's from Philly. Yeah. Was like, he went to Penn State. His name is DJ New, but they're like, oh, I, I didn't know. I'm like, well, now you know. Uh, and, and that's not the only time. Uh, DJ Newbell went off the year before. He dunked on a Twins team, yeah. left-handed dunk down the lane cool. on, on on everybody. DJ Newbell has, has definitely made a name for himself in the rump.
0: How does that sort of elevate what the rump is, where guys can come in and make a name for themselves and, and the impact that it has on Philly hoops and just Philly culture?
1: Um, I love that part of it because, like I said, you know, these guys that are overseas, you know, probably the best on their team and the best in their league but not being known in the States. Now they get to come back to the States and show that they have game too. There's so many players that, you know, of course, everybody knows the big names, the twins and whoever they bring or, you know, whatever guests they have. But there's a lot of guys that show up and they get to show their talent. And normally for eight months, they're over the water and they're this big, talented player that's doing everything and no one knows here. So I love that that platform is available for them to come home in their hometown. Most of the time, these are Philly guys who are doing so much and doing, being so successful. And now people really get to see it because it's very hard to see a guy overseas on TV and stuff like that. So now, you know, a guy, a lot of times, not only am I asked, who is that guy? They're asking, is he in the NBA or why isn't he? And I don't have the answers to that's that. That's kind of a better question. Why isn't he Yeah, the NBA? why isn't he? You know, of course, the first name that comes to mind is Brandon Austin. Everybody says why he's in the NBA for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but every year, an NBA player dies by his sword every time. Yeah. So the, I, I love that for, for Philly guys. I love that for a guy that's unknown or a guy that wants to prove himself. And Like I said, for Mark 50, I thought that was amazing. For Mark 50 to go toe-to-toe with Jason Tatum. You know what I mean? Shot for shot, you know, probably three or four shots. You know, deep Steph Curry type threes. Yeah, that's amazing for a guy like that who was little little known at that time. Now everybody in the city knows exactly. Who, all I gotta do is say fifty now, and everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. So I, I love that platform that it provides for those guys.
0: Yeah, Brandon Huff, Danny Rump, Classic Podcast, you man. Thank, Thank you, you so much. you Appreciate it. Yeah.